Welcome to the Young Stroke Podcast, a podcast for young survivors of stroke and their support crew, bringing together younger survivors to share their stories along with tips on living a good life after stroke. The advice given in this podcast is general in nature. Discuss your situation and needs with your healthcare professionals. This series is presented by Australia's Stroke Foundation and funded by the Australian Government Department of Social Services. Welcome to episode eight of the Young Stroke podcast. This episode, we are talking about money, 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 and how to navigate finances after stroke and also financial stress after stroke. Today on the podcast, we're very lucky to have Letitia and Shannon join us. Letitia is a young survivor of stroke, a mother to four boys, one who was born after her stroke. And Letitia from the Gold Coast, Australia, and is passionate about empowering working age survivors of stroke. And Letitia is the author of Finding Yourself After Stroke. Welcome to the episode, Letitia. Hi, Simone and Shannon. I'm so glad to be here with you both. And Shannon is a nurse, a wife, and a mother of two. And Shannon previously looked after elderly patients who had survived stroke and was astounded when stroke happened to her and her family. Shannon is passionate about raising awareness of stroke and is one of the co-authors in Finding Yourself After Stroke. Welcome, Shannon. Thanks for having me. So it's so great to have you both on the podcast to share your personal experiences and also your insights, I guess, and your learning along the way. Before we dive in, though, it's important to note for those listening that any information or advice provided on this episode about finances is general in nature and does not take into consideration your financial situation, personal needs or goals. And this episode is not intended as a substitute for professional legal financial advice. So before making any financial decisions, please consult a licensed finance professional. Now, each uh, episode, we start by inviting guests to share their stroke story. And it's 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 stroke week today. So what better time for um, both of you to give us a little bit more background into your own stroke stories? Uh, Letitia, do you mind going first and sharing a little bit about your story with us? Sure. So I was 35 when um, my life changed forever. I was um, asleep when my stroke happened. I woke up in the middle of the night, it must have been about 1 a.m., and I thought I was having a severe migraine. So I was a migraine sufferer, um, but then I just thought that this was a really, really, really bad migraine, and at no time did I think that I was having a stroke. I tried to get up and walk because I wanted to get some painkillers, and I just knew that I couldn't. I couldn't walk. So I had pins and needles on the right side of my body and um, I thought there was something wrong with my vision, but I'd had auras from previous migraines, so that's just what I thought it was. Um, I had my little boy sleeping next to me. He was four at the time and I went straight into mum mode and I thought I don't want to wake him up and my concern became more about him than it was about me. And... Sunrise came and I realised there was something significantly wrong with my vision. So when the daylight hit, I realised that I couldn't see anything at all out of the right side of both of my eyes. I couldn't use my right hand properly and I had pins and needles still on the right side of my body. I um, went to a medical centre, had someone take me to a medical centre and they thought, again, it was a migraine or a reaction to the contraceptive implant. So I had that removed. I was given some painkillers and told to rest. Uh, two days later, my vision still hadn't 
returned. I still had the pins and needles on my right side. I was very sick um, and worsening, getting really confused. Couldn't remember simple things like my pin number or my phone number. So I went to another medical centre and that's when they said, go straight to emergency. And again, all through this time, I never thought for one second that I was having a stroke. So that happened, the, the night was Thursday night and it was Monday when I got to hospital and then was diagnosed and moved into a stroke ward. And now, Letitia, um, the stroke impacts that you're living with, what, what are they today? You mentioned vision and difficulty with your PIN number and things like that. What sorts of impacts from the stroke are you living with today? So the vision never returned. I still have, I've got what's called homogenous hemianopia. So I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but what that means is that I have no vision out of the right side of both of my eyes. Um, I still have a little bit of weakness in my right hand and my stroke, the underlying factor for it was PFO, so a hole in my heart, which has been closed now. And um, you shared about the, the vision changes, the homonymous hemianopia. Um, mm-hmm. Were you able to work after your stroke? No. So I wasn't able to return to my place of employment after my stroke and I haven't been able to drive since. So a significant impact from your, your stroke on not just your life but your ability to earn, um, earn an income, I imagine. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Shannon, do you mind sharing your story about your stroke? Um, So I went to bed at normal on the Sunday night and I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and Stuart had me get up to the toilet and I was fine then. And then um, I was woke up again at 5.30 and I was thrashing around in bed. And then I um, fell out of bed and Stuart rushed around the bed and tried to pick me up and he recognised my stroke straight away. So I had the facial droop. I couldn't lift both arms. I couldn't lift my right arm. I was paralysed down the right side and I couldn't speak. And I remember him... um, calling triple zero and saying to the triple zero operator, I think my wife is having a stroke. So the ambulance officer was arrived about 10 minutes later and um, they struck me into a hover mat because I couldn't, because I was being between the bed and the window. So they dragged me down the hallway of the house and I arrived at hospital approximately 6 a.m. and I was diagnosed with left middle cerebral artery stroke and it was clot. So I had the clot busting therapy at 6.20 and then I was transferred to another hospital and for clot retrieval. And the clot was retrieved at 7.35 a.m. And that was fast because Stuart heard me get up to the toilet at 3 a.m. So my stroke onset could be timed at 3 a.m. So I wasn't within the four and a half hours. 
Wow. And so I think I mentioned we're recording this episode during Stroke Week. So a really um, good opportunity for you both to share different your different experiences. Letitia, you didn't have the traditional or or many um, of the traditional fast um, signs, whereas Shannon, you had face, the arms, the speech, you had all three. And then time was extremely critical in in your particular situation as well. Um, What what are the current impacts of your stroke now today, Shannon? So I have aphasia. So um, I have reduced function in my right hand and I have fatigue and sensory overload, not um, at times sensory overload, yeah. Yeah, um, and I had a PFO as well. Yeah. Wow, and you both had the signs come on in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah wow. Yeah. Wow. So there's some similarities but but some differences as well to yeah. your stories. Um and Shannon, I'm gonna ask you, how do you describe aphasia to people? We've talked about uh, homonymous hemianopia being that that loss of vision in a hemisphere of both eyes. And what about aphasia? How do you describe aphasia to so people? Aphasia is a communication disorder and it um affects um language so um it's um can be written um speech and i experience word binding difficulty and numbers so it can but it's not a loss of intelligence yeah thank you so much for sharing um how you describe it um We've talked about some of the the similarities you've had in your experiences so far. Financial stress or managing and having to navigate finances after stroke is something you've both also been through. And, you know, stroke is a life-changing event in itself, let alone having to cope with, you know, finances. Um, Shannon, I can start with you on this one, but what has been your experience of navigating finances after stroke? So I was fortunate enough to return to work. So I returned to work four months and three weeks after my stroke. I had a graded re-entry to work, so five hours a day, three days a week. And eventually that increased and I was back at work full time after 10 months. So I was really fortunate. But so I had sickly, so I used all my sick leave up, use my annual leave up. I had income protection through my superannuation and that um, I wasn't allowed to apply for that until my sick leave and annual leave was used up and eventually it kicked in after four months because it was post-dated. And then I returned to work after four months and three weeks. So that was reduced anyway. And Letitia, what about you? What was your experience like navigating finances after your stroke? Um, Mine was a bit stressful. Um, When I was in hospital after my stroke, I went on to sick leave and then leave without pay. So I'd used up all of my work entitlements. So I had uh, no annual leave, no sick leave, and I was on leave without pay. And when I returned to home from hospital, I had some meetings uh, with my directors at work, and 
they basically they kind of said, well, we think you should resign. So and I was in quite um, an uncertain time. It's probably the best way I could describe it, leaving hospital and not, not knowing what was happening in my future. So I didn't fight it. I just resigned there on the spot. Um, I had a little bit of money in the bank, but that went quite quickly. I wasn't entitled to disability payments. So I had lost my income. And then shortly after I found out that I was pregnant. So I then had um, an incredible amount of uh, financial stress because I'm thinking, well, how am I going to live? How am I going to support the children that I have got? And how am I going to bring a child into the world? So, and I didn't have any family support around either. So I couldn't go to my parents and ask them for money or help. So it was a lot of juggling and having to navigate, you know, what is there, what is there available? And I had to find that out myself because there wasn't any resources there or anywhere I could go to to, to find out. So um, I did have a TPD, Total Permanent Disability Insurance in my superannuation. And that was able to help for a little while. Uh, but you know, other than that, it was quite a significant lifestyle change post-stroke. Wow, such an, a challenging time on top of dealing with your stroke at such a young age. Um, Letitia, were there other things you had to do, other um, changes you had to make? You said you mentioned lifestyle changes. What other practical um, changes did you need to make in order just to get through? Prior to my stroke, I didn't really look at the price tags on things. If we wanted it, we did it. But after my stroke, it was... Um, we just had to look at what we had and then live in between that. So instead of the kids wearing or myself wearing, you know, brand name clothing or things, you know, we, we would um, have to swap to whatever we could afford um, instead of going out all the time for, you know, on weekends and having takeaway or restaurant food, it would be just making things at home, whatever it was that we could afford at home. Yeah, it was just cutting right back and living within our means and a lot of juggling at the same time. How did you manage the stress during that period of time as well? I'm curious to hear if there was anything that you did or anything helpful that um, you, you know, had to get you through and support you in this time. It was pretty tough. So it was kind of a bit of a mental, emotional challenge for me. It was a big loss of identity. So life just completely changed. Um, I had to learn basically not to keep up with you know the neighbors or this or that it was just this is us this is our life this is okay it doesn't matter what it looks like we're not here to impress anybody else you know what we have we learned and I learned um gratitude amongst all things and appreciation for the small things and it sounds like uh, accepting where you're at was a big part of that and that mindset yeah yeah yeah, thank you for sharing. Shannon, um, was there anything else that you accessed or that helped you along the way with finances? You know, you were obviously able to get back to work, not initially full-time, but you did get there and you had some income protection as well. Yeah. Was there anything else that you accessed or that supported you? Yeah, so 12 months after my stroke, I was talking to a friend and his brother was diagnosed with prostate cancer and he said oh his brother accessed his mortgage insurance and I said what why so I looked into my mortgage insurance and we had trauma insurance 
associated. So the policy paid out if you die or a terminal illness, but um, we had um, trauma insurance and I thought it was to do with accidents. So um, motor accidents or that sort of thing. And then I looked it in, into it further and it covered stroke, heart attacks, cancer and trauma associated with accidents. So um, we looked into that and we um, got that. So it was life and critical illness cover. So we accessed that 12 months after. So, yeah, that was really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Letitia, you've touched on it. You, you didn't really have anyone to guide you and Shannon this is uh information you're getting from you know a friend's family yeah. member is this how you've accessed uh the knowledge around finances and how to navigate finances has it all been sort of through word of mouth or searching on your own is that how you've been able to access what is available yeah because I wasn't entitled to um sick benefits from Centrelink so because my husband earned too much. So it's all to do with searching on our own and word of mouth. And really finding out what else is out there yeah. if, if you're not eligible for, say, Centrelink benefits and disability yeah. benefits. Yeah. Um, what about things like therapy, the cost of therapy sometimes, um, you know, if community program or uh, outpatient rehabilitation finishes, um, were either of you or have you been successful with the NDIS or how have you managed to, I guess, you know, manage that, that side of rehabilitation where finances can sometimes come into it? I had no traditional therapy in 2019 because I was waiting for the NDIS. So I eventually got it for um, NDIS. I was successful at the end of 2019. My stroke was in 2018. So I had no traditional therapy in that time because we couldn't afford it. So $250 for an OT session. So, yeah. And then I was successful in um, gaining NDIS funding. So, yeah. And you'd been discharged from hospital and rehabilitation yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in I, that period? Um, being discharged from speech therapy in October and OT at the end of the year in 2018. Letitia, what's been your experience around therapy and accessing therapy? Uh, I was unsuccessful with my NDIS application and pretty well the same as Shannon. I did get um, a care plan from my GP, so I was able to access five free Medicare subsidised um, sessions, but then after that, it didn't continue. And so what ways around that? I mean, were there any any sort of practical things you did to try and access therapy without it costing you know costing money? Not really. So because I have kids that have uh, special needs, so anything that I needed, I ended up giving to them for their therapy. Um, I accessed studies of the um, Enable Me. So I just trolled through studies. So I 
had a sleep and fatigue study and I saw a neuropsychologist for eight, eight sessions. Because I was back at work full time, I wasn't able to access the speech therapy or aphasia studies because they were during the week. So, and I worked during the week. So, but I used to access apps on my phone. So apps and participating in research was another sort of yeah. way you could get some some free um, therapy in that yeah. period of time. Yeah. yeah, but very difficult. And again, more effort in having to go and find yeah. other options when you couldn't do traditional therapies because of the cost. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of getting support, uh, something we often recommend um, is to talk to the social worker, particularly when you're in the hospital or in perhaps rehabilitation, whether that's inpatient or outpatient. Did either of you access social work or was that an option? The social worker came and spoke to me in the hospital and, yeah, we just had a, a little chat then and I did have a little bit of counselling after my stroke when I did leave hospital. That was through... Um, community through uh, Vision Australia. So the social worker visited me in hospital once and she just ran through, you can apply for sickness benefits through um, Centrelink. That's it. And were you able to take that information in in that early phase, Shannon? No. No, it was too too early on. Yeah. yeah. So it would yeah. be nice, but potentially later on down the track when yeah. you're able to, you've, you've had some time to adjust to, to the stroke and, mm -hmm. yeah, you're able to take that information on board. Was there any other major challenges or what would you say was the most challenging thing about the finances after your stroke? Do either of you have sort of one thing that stood out that was just really, really challenging for you both? For me, it was the unknown. So the uncertainty and not knowing, you know, it was just such a, a sudden and huge uh, life change to have a stroke. And then, you know, we talk a lot about the rehab journey, but but not the finances. It was like, well, where do I go? Who do I talk to? What is available? And, yeah, that was probably a big challenge for me, not knowing where to find information or, or what was available to help me and my family. So the unknown as well, but... My husband had to return to work because we had a mortgage still to pay. So my parents gave up three months of their lives to take care of me and my family. So mum used to come down during the week and drive me to my appointments. And then they also supported us financially after a couple of months before I when I was returning to work, we had bills to pay. It's the unknown. Whatever. I can't return to work. And I imagine too, um, you, you know, if you didn't have those supports, Shannon, that would be really challenging. You know, how would you have got to therapy, et cetera? And um, yeah. Letitia, you said you didn't really have that support at all. Yeah. So, and in an ideal world, you know, it would have been fantastic for your husband to be able to take that time off to be with yeah. you. But, but yeah. you know, because of finances and the pressures that you had mm -hmm. and the commitments that you had, that wasn't, wasn't a possibility. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you've both shared that, you know, navigating finances is, is pretty tricky after stroke. There's not enough information out there. Do you feel like it isn't talked enough about? Yeah, I do. I, I do feel that it's not discussed enough. I agree. Um, 
there's not enough out there because they focus on you, your recovery, but your recovery is financial as well. And so dependent on yeah. your finances in many ways. And mm. I, I guess too, that even if you've got pressure to go back to work sooner, but you may not be ready from that recovery yeah. perspective, then there's that extra pressure to go back uh, sooner than you might otherwise. So it, it is really something that underpins everything that you're doing in rehabilitation and also the emotional and psychological stress that it puts on you by the sound of it is huge. And then having to still navigate your recovery. And so I'm curious to know if you have specific advice, uh, you know, whether it's maybe somebody similar to yourselves that might be either really new in their journey, they've just had their stroke, or even someone down the track um, after their stroke that could be still experiencing financial stress. Is there specific tips or, I guess, wisdom that you would like to share with them? Yeah, look at what you've got currently first, because there's things that, like Shan was saying, Shannon was saying, there's things that you might not know about. So in my situation, four days before my stroke, I bought a brand new car and I didn't actually get to drive my brand new car because I had a stroke and then I had car payments. But however, I had taken out insurance on my car. So the insurance company paid out the monthly payments on my car. So and then we were saying earlier that we had, um, you know, some things inside of our superannuation. So have a look at what you've got. Uh, because there might be things there that you don't know about that can help you. I go and see a financial advisor. The banks offer free financial advice. So go and see one of those when you um, are able to, because we, I, I didn't access financial advice from my bank and I wish I had it. Is there anything else that you would add? I think you've both shared that looking at what you've got, I guess it's also a good message for people that may not necessarily have had a stroke. So it might be carers and family members and friends listening to this, that, you know, it's always important also to be thinking about making sure you've got all of those things in place as well, that you have income protection there, that you know what you, you know what you can access as well. So my advice is if you are healthy, and you don't have income protection, take it out straight away. Totally agree. Yeah. You just never know. You, you never think for one second that it's going to happen to you. Yeah. Because I can't, because I've had the stroke, my income protection will be so high now. So I didn't have income protection by myself. So if you're healthy, take out income protection straight away. Did you talk to other survivors about finances? Was that also quite taboo to talk about finances with other stroke survivors? Yeah, it can be It can be really embarrassing to say, I have no money, I'm struggling, I, I can't pay this, I don't know what to do, I don't know who to ask for help. That can be a really hard thing to do. So, And when you are in that situation and you know, you are a parent or you have pride and things like that, it's hard to come out openly and, and say, I'm having financial stress, I, I can't pay my bills, I, I don't know where money's coming from. Prior to this, I really hadn't spoken to anybody about it. No, I didn't ask, I didn't talk to other stroke survivors about finances. 
Mm. So you would go to other peers that have had strokes for other things and other emotional support yeah. and yeah. But, but finances was still quite taboo. Yeah. How do you feel now about having a podcast and sharing your stories? How does that feel to be sharing quite openly about finances? And do you think that this is going to change over time for people who have had a stroke, that they might be more open to perhaps ask a friend that has had a stroke, you know, what have you done about finances? You know, was there anything that you access do you think that um that will shift over time I hope it does because there's things out there in the community that can help you that again things that you're not aware of and just by having those conversations you can see what um community things there are that you can access to help I mean good people fall on bad times for me you know once if you're in a bad time or a hard time it doesn't mean that you're a bad person anyone can fall into a hard time yeah Thank you so much for both sharing your stories and being so open. I absolutely know that this is going to help many other people that listen to this episode. If you're feeling overwhelmed and you do need guidance to navigate finances or help with financial stress after stroke, you're not alone. And the sooner you access advice and support, as we've heard, particularly from Shannon, I think you said, you know, the better. It's, it's really important to access that help and support sooner rather than later. So there are a few things you can do. One, you can speak to a social worker if you're in hospital or undergoing inpatient or outpatient or community rehabilitation. You can also speak to a social worker through Centrelink. Secondly, you can call the National Debt Helpline on one 800 007 007 or go to ndh.org.au and speak to a free financial counsellor in your state or territory. And you can also call Strokeline on 1800 787 653 Monday to Friday 9am to 5pm Australian Eastern Standard Time or you can email strokeline at strokefoundation.org.au. Thank you so much again for being on this episode, Letitia and Shannon. If you're listening and you found this episode helpful, please do share it with your family and friends and you can subscribe to the podcast to be notified about future episodes. You can also leave us a review so that more of the stroke community can find us and find this important information out. And, you know, let's hope that we start to change the story on finances after stroke and that more people like yourselves, Letitia and Shannon, are happy to talk about finances and, you know, find it easier to navigate um, finances after stroke. Thank you so much both for being on this episode. Thank you for having us. That's all for today's Young Stroke podcast. Find more Young Stroke resources at young.strokefoundation.org.au. You can listen to dozens of other podcasts on our stroke recovery website, enableme.org.au. Strokeline's health professionals provide practical, free and confidential advice. Connect with them on Enable Me or call 1-800-STROKE. That's 1-800-787-653. The advice given here is general in nature. Discuss your situation and needs with your healthcare professionals. The Young Stroke podcast series is presented by Australia's Stroke Foundation and funded by the Australian Government Department of Social Services. 